Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 192 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have But to. you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Yu Yu Hakusho episodes 88 through 91, where Koenma tries to put a ring on it. Kuwabara cuts the wall face, and our hero is dead, or is the main villain, or is both, or is neither? I don't know, man. Somebody, somewhere, at some time, has died or not died, and <laughs> they may or may not have lived or died. And uh, this is coming to you directly from Vague People Anonymous where there may or may not be people at some time that may or may not have lived. Anyways, um, if you want more of this content, listen to Welcome to Night Vale. But anyways, let's <laughs> jump in. Did you watch Everything Everywhere All at Once? I haven't seen it yet. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Okay. It's really good. I haven't seen it yet. Do not spoil it for me. I am going to be watching it very soon. Um, Michelle Yeoh is in it. Did you know? I'm just throwing it out there that by by very soon, I mean like very, very soon. I I know it's good. I, I know it is. <laughs> it's so good. I am aware. It's, I was reading... An, I was reading an article about the success of the movie and they were basically saying that like outside of like a tentpole superhero blockbuster kind of thing, this is like the first cinematic success since before the pandemic. And it seems to be, you know, like it's a, I mean, a 24 isn't an unknown studio, but it is a relatively small sort of, I don't know, scrappy, if you will, film, but like, it's so good that people are just like raving about it. And so it is like, apparently a huge word of mouth success. And I just think that's really cool. Yeah. And I mean, the, the biggest thing that I've heard about it is that it, it is, it is a, a complete, a complete mind fuck to watch. And it will remind you of watching anime like yeah good. it's big anime energy it is hilarious i also like cried to the point of sobbing to the point that pete turned around and was like are you gonna be okay for like two straight minutes uh and it's got like insane action and some of the action is actiony and some of it is funny it is it is like Everything you could get in any movie is in this movie. It's wild. And somehow it fucking works. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like it's almost like it's everywhere, everything, all at once. It is almost like that. Uh, but we'll never know. Do you see what I did there? <laughs> huh? <laughs> hey. Hey, I've got anime news. <laughs> okay, you go you go ahead with your stupid anime news and uh, get ready for my great anime news afterwards. All right. According to comicbook.com, Code Geass shares special new promo. So uh, Code Geass is making a comeback because it's celebrating its 15th anniversary and they're doing two things to celebrate it. 
So first, there this article mostly focuses on a game, but I did not know that Code Geass had a new series coming out. So both aspects of this article were news to me. So uh, the main focus is that there's a mobile game for Code Geass coming out. Uh, according to this, it is set to play out as something of a battle grid system. Uh, I am reading that as this is going to be sort of a, uh, a tactics game, like a uh, like a Fire Emblem kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. I know a lot of mobile titles are stripped down from those kinds of things, but, uh, you know, some of them are kind of intense. So this could, this could go all over the place. Um, they are probably going to have familiar kind of gotcha mechanics similar to the, um, mobile games of like My Hero Academia and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's coming out and then, uh, there's also, uh, oh, so the mobile game I think is called Code Geass Lelouch of the Rebellion Lost Stories. And then um, there is also a, an anime series. I thought the title was in here, but I'm, it's not jumping out at me. Um, that is also coming out this year to celebrate the fifth, 15th anniversary. And I believe is a sequel series to the original one. So... Um, I remember watching Code Geass and really enjoying it. Uh, definitely enjoying the first half more than the second half. Because um, I think the first half is a little bit more straightforward and a little bit more grounded. And I, I liked that. And then it, it kind of got into the weeds for me. I still enjoyed it, but it wasn't it wasn't as much of the stuff that I was enjoying the most from the show from earlier. But I liked this one. Uh, I think it's a relatively popular anime property. And uh, yeah, there's there's some stuff to look forward to if you are a fan. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Anything else? <laughs> uh, that was my only news for this week. <laughs> I'm so I'm so like petty about all this kind of stuff right now, because <laughs> I I want to talk. I want to talk about how much I've started watching a show. <laughs> and this what sh- show? Uh, this show is called Tiger and Bunny. <laughs> have you ever? Ooh! Have you ever watched this show? I really want to watch that one. No, I've heard. I've heard like a synopsis years ago, and I was like, ah, that sounds like something I would enjoy. And some of the things I've heard about it since then have reinforced. Uh, that I would find it intriguing, if not like enjoying it in the same way as I expected from initially hearing the premise. And anyway, I this one's been on my radar for a long time. But as you know, longtime listeners know, it takes me forever to get to, around to watching things because it takes me forever to watch the things I'm already watching. So uh, I know of it, but not very deeply. So uh, here's here's the here's the biggest part of my anime news. Um, the biggest part of my anime news is that I have decided that I am going to, um, kind of pull anime out of a hat because I've gotten to the point where like, I've, I've read all the way up to date with all of the manga that I'm following. And I, I don't have any anime that I'm like super excited about. So I've decided that I'm going to do a treatment of each one of the different anime that i basically pull out of a hat and I'm giving them a full 10 episodes to cook me. Um, so these are ones that I will watch on my own time and I will force myself to watch at least 10 episodes of it in order for it to get me. 
that being said, I will never rewatch Black Clover or Fairy Tale. Don't don't even mention them. <laughs> I I refuse. I've tried both of them. Are you twice. doing this because people sometimes get mad at us for only watching three episodes? Yes. <laughs> on our Monday pods. Uh, um, even though if you can't get to it in like you know an hour, I'm not gonna. I stand by my choices. This it's, it's so, it's so good. <laughs> I hate it, but it's so good. Tiger and bunny. Yes. Is. It's like, it's, it's just, it's just so the premise of it is it's like, um, it takes place in, uh, like 1978, like a reimagining of New York city, um, and there's like a awakening of new people, um, called next, which are noted entities, uh, with extraordinary talents. Um, and it's just, it's just so good. And it's a superhero show basically, right? S- you got to watch it, man. <laughs> it's just like, I said, basically I covered my bases. No, you have to, you have to pick it up. It's one of those that I'm like, how have not more people not talked about this show? Um, but in, in other awesome parts of the news, if you're interested in the show and you like the first season, the second season we are getting this year, um, the release date starts, uh, uh, just started actually on April 8th. Um, it is on Netflix. Uh, so be aware of net, not a sponsor, but just being, uh, you know what it is. Um, and well, yeah, they are kind of, I know, I know, uh, mother's basement calls them anime jail because they get the rights to things. And then they like, you know, unlike other streaming services like Crunchyroll or even Hulu that sort of like releases the episodes at, or just after they're released in Japan, uh, these shows sit in, uh, what has been dubbed again, Netflix jail for a while until Netflix is like, here you go. Yeah. And Netflix has been floundering right now. I don't know if anybody has been paying attention to the news, but, oh uh, yeah, Netflix is nobody likes Netflix right now. Yeah, which is Netflix's own doing. Yeah, they're a flounder <laughs> so, right. Well. They're a flounder right now. They they swim around flat. And their Net eyes are flounder. On, you know, their their <laughs> eyes are on the side of their face. I did a I did a flounder joke, and you did a Flanders joke from The Simpsons. <laughs> Uh, we, I'll take your word for it. Cause I, I don't know that I've ever actually watched. The oh my God. Did like you really episode. make that joke and not realize that you said net flounder and his name is Ned Flanders. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't a Ned Flanders joke. It was a, it was a Netflix flounder. Take the FLs and replace the one with the other. Oh my God. It was a coincidence. <laughs> I hate that you don't know this. This just happened. It's just. I know who Ned Flanders is. Ugh. He's isn't he this something about scrum diddlyumptious or something like that? <laughs> and he's stupid sexy. I know that part. Isn't he um, something about scrum diddlyumptious? <laughs> I think he says that. I don't know. I don't know the rules. I haven't watched it. Oh man. Anyways. I got I own like two seasons on DVD that I picked up because I was like The Simpsons is supposed to be good and I watched the first like two episodes and I was like that's fine yeah oh man anyways uh, so that's what I'm watching right now um, if you have suggestions for things that I should watch and give ten episodes a chance 
Um, don't suggest them to me because I'm pulling them out of a hat. Just say, just say black clover. Oh my god! I swear, <laughs> over and over again. Do not do this. People at work that like anime have been talking about black clover, and they're talking about black clover is popular. That's the problem for you. They're like, they're like, man, this new season is so good, and the animation quality just keeps on getting better. And I'm just like, ah, fuck, no. Do you think, so we've talked, uh, here we go, risking ourselves with angering our Naruto fan base again, Uh, but, you know, it's never stopped me before, so we, Spencer and I, really liked Naruto overall. In fact, on our most recent Naruto episode, we, uh, which was the the last Friday episode before this one, um, if you're not one of those people that listens to all of the episodes in order but you're curious about what I'm talking about. The last Naruto episode that we did was a really, really big plot point, And we both really enjoyed it. We liked the whole, the whole thing top to bottom and talked for a while about how good Naruto is and the storytelling of Naruto and stuff like that. Uh, that said, we have had some people who are big Naruto fans take umbrage with the fact that we do not always sing Naruto's praises. And in fact, are often quite critical of the storytelling of the Naruto anime. Yeah. And, uh, so I guess the question that I'm sort of like circling here is uh, based on the idea that like part of the reason that we don't always enjoy the Naruto anime is because the Naruto story is getting kind of like dragged out in a way that bogs it down because of the constraints of how the anime was being released at the time it was being released. Hmm. Is Black Clover that? Like, if you can, if you, Spencer, can, like, step back from your strong feelings about Black Clover and think about it from a sort of, like, bird's eye view, is Black Clover, like, if you, as an anime fan that you are today, stumbled on early Naruto, you would feel the same way about Naruto? Or is Black Clover something else? It's. I think is what I'm trying to say. Here's here's what it is um i've i've said before that the manga of black clover is passable even likable it's not exactly what i want however the anime version of it is it cuts a lot of corners um especially in animation style um huh. and then the the plot feels really kind of reductive, uh, not maybe not reductive, but like repetitive of other things that you've seen in other animes so often. Like we, we cover a lot of these inside of like weekly jump where we cover these different manga or anime that we're just like, it's fine if you really, really, really love this kind of anime, but it feels so generic that it doesn't blow me away. It's it's uh-huh. it's one of those where it just doesn't feel like it's treading new, you know, treading new paths. Instead, it feels like it's walking in the same footsteps as something else, uh, with maybe a different size shoe. And I I think the the biggest example of of something like this recently that I can think of where it completely blew me away and how different it was from my original thoughts of what I wanted from it was demon slayer. 
Demon Slayer. Yeah. Demon Slayer. When I originally picked up the anime, I I watched the first couple of episodes and I was like, I don't know if this is going to be for me. And the biggest reason right. why is because it felt like the same vampire story that I had seen before, um, with a little bit of a twist of carrying around this sister of his that made it more difficult. But as the story got deeper and I shifted from the anime, which has amazing style, um, to the manga, I got swept up inside of the storytelling. And the storytelling is just so vastly new and different that it just it, it blew me away. It could very easily have turned into a failure for me. Because this mm-hmm. this manga, I I felt like I had read before when I originally picked it up. It was one of those where I was yeah, because like, I remember a long time ago, mm-hmm. maybe when I first watched Demon Slayer, and I was like, "Hey, it's really good. All the hype makes sense to me now." And you're like, "Meh." <laughs> so this must have been during that time period. Yeah, it was. It it's definitely it's definitely one of those ones where I'm like. It, it took a minute to grow on me, but once I got into yeah. it, it really blew me away. Um, it wasn't one that it was so weird and out of the back room that I was like, I, I have no idea what this is. And it, it blew me away from like gear one, um, which uh, I would say would be something like Chainsaw Man in recent memory. Like Chainsaw Man yeah. is so weird and so different that you don't expect it or see it company coming and it just blows you away from get go. Um, another good example of this that we have sung the praises of many, many times um, is Kaiju yep. number eight. Kaiju number eight. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Kaiju number eight is not only funny, but it also is a great action anime um, that it follows the same tropes of a lot of things, um, but it does it in a cool and different enough way that it keeps on sucking you in. The characters are also very endearing, um, but Black Cover is not one of those to me. Um, instead, it just mm. feels like it is it is doing the same thing in not an interesting enough way for me to to break me out of it. And I have said many times that I love fantasy anime um, and I wanted Black Clover to be good. This is why I think I was uh, on the third try of Black Clover and I was just like, <laughs> I can't, I can't bring myself to like it. So stop doing this to yourself. Yeah. Anyways, we, we do have a, a regular anime to cover 19 minutes into this conversation, but uh, Blake, it was a good conversation though. And Blake, tell us uh, what happened previously on Yu Yu Hakusho. Oh boy. All right. So Yu Yu Hakusho focuses on this guy named Yusuke Urameshi. Uh He is a, I don't know, middle school student, but you know, it's like anime. So fudge the numbers a little bit. And uh, he is killed one day, saving a young child from being run over by a truck and the afterlife is like, well, we thought you kind of sucked, but then you did a good thing, and now we don't know what to do with you. So we'll give you a chance to come back to life, and you have to do some like weird stuff, and, and maybe you'll be alive again. Uh, and then he is, and uh, but now he has special spirit powers, and he can see spiritual beings, and um, the under the afterlife is like, hey, you work for us now, and so he becomes what's called a spirit detective. 
and starts getting sent on different missions and solving cases and, and dealing with spiritual entities and stuff like that. Uh, in the process of that, he gathers up a couple of allies. One is this guy named Kuwabara, who is a classmate of his that is um, sort of spiritually sensitive just naturally. They have been frenemies for a long time. They're kind of rival gang leaders, and uh, Yusuke more or less always wins against Kuwabara, but their their sort of rivalry has become, I don't know, like a, an emotionally necessary part of both of their lives in a way that they are both kind of always uh, trying to be too manly to admit or whatever. Uh, Kuwabara has developed the ability to create a, a cool sword out of spiritual energy and recently found out that that sword has the added ability of being able to cut through the barriers between dimensions, but that's a new technique, so he's not necessarily able to pull that one out any any old time, but that's super relevant to what's going on, so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, his two other friends are demons, or at least half demons. Uh, one is Hiei. He's kind of the Vegeta of this series. He is the anti-hero who has a chip on his shoulder about the fact that he lost a fight to the hero and ends up being a de facto ally of the hero because he at least nominally wants the opportunity to kill the hero himself and so must fight alongside the hero in order to keep the hero alive so that he can eventually be the one to kill him. That's Hiei's whole vibe. Um, he is uh, generally a pretty nice person all the otherwise, um, despite the fact that he likes to pretend like he's you know, I don't know, like a heartless demonic badass. I mean, he is a badass, but he's not heartless. Um, he uh, is a, a real fast boy. He has this thing called a Jigana eye that is like a, an extra demonic eye that he can use to enhance his abilities. And he has essentially a contract with a, a sort of demonic entity called the Dragon of the Darkness Flame. And that is like a dragon made out of black fire that will consume anything in its path. Uh, so he's pretty cool. The other guy is a half demon because he is a fox demon that was uh, sealed away. God, this sounds familiar. He was a fox demon that was sealed away in the body of a bebe and uh, grew up as a human child. And then, I don't know either figured out he was a demon or knew the whole time, but kind of was swayed by being a human. They explained this a while ago, and I don't remember exactly what happened. But essentially, Kurama is a demon with, with a heart of gold and a thing for plants, specifically otherworldly demon plants that he is able to summon and sort of control. And um, he usually fights with a rose whip, but he's he's got a whole bag of narratively convenient tricks that are that are real fun. So those are Yusuke's three main allies. Um, the sort of leader of the underworld, more or less, has been a guy named Koenma. Koenma is actually the young child of King Enma, the true leader of the underworld, but he has been left in charge during Yusuke's entire tenure as a spirit detective and has been the one coordinating his missions with him. Um, Koenma has recently gotten involved in the current mission because it is a big bad thing and it's not going very well. Uh, Koenma usually appears as a young kid or baby even um even though he's you know he's an, an afterlife deity so he is thousands of years old if not i don't know just like a sort of immortal truth or something but uh yeah he showed up recently and he's revealed that he has an adult form and also that the pacifier he usually chews on is actually like a 
uh, a magical artifact that stores his spiritual energy. And the reason he has it in his mouth all the time is that he is constantly siphoning off energy so that it becomes this just like insanely powerful uh, spiritual energy bomb that he can activate at some point. Uh, and he has decided that that point is now uh, because they are dealing with this dude named Sensui. Sensui was the spirit detective before Yusuke. He is a normal human who developed spiritual powers and was employed by the afterlife to do their bidding. Uh, during the course of that, two related things happened. Uh, one, he got his hands on this thing called the, the Chapter Black Tape. Uh, it's a VHS tape, which I, I just don't have time to explain what a VHS is. We did this in our early Cowboy Bebop episode. Um, but on this tape, there is essentially like a, I don't know, like four hour highlight reel of all the worst things that humanity has ever done to humanity. And, uh, so he watched that and became real disillusioned with how people are. Uh, at the same time, he was sent on a mission where he found a bunch of rich humans who knew about demons and had trapped some of them and were doing real messed up stuff to the demons. And he, his psyche kind of shattered in this moment. And he, he lost all faith in humanity and all faith in sort of the general goodness potential of people and just completely lost it. He went AWOL and he has now returned as the big bad of this arc to declare that humans are not worth, uh, they're not worth it. <laughs> and so he's going to go ahead and take care of that problem by opening a tunnel into the demon world to let all of the demons of the demon world spill out into the human world and subsume it. Uh, the demons specifically, they, you know, as is so often the case in anime, they are classed with an S class being the biggest, baddest thing and the S class demons. And in fact, uh, I think a couple of the lower class demons, uh, a few stages below that are big and or strong enough that they are generally not able to get into the human world because of the various barriers. They are just not, the barriers just don't have large enough passageways for the demons to fit themselves and or their power through to get to the human world. This tunnel is going to solve that problem right up since we actually, uh, as a reference to Kuwabara's dimensional cutting ability from earlier, tried to uh, bend that to his will um, and uh, then ended up getting into a fight with Yusuke. Since we has been in a fight with Yusuke for a couple episodes now, he has revealed that he has uh, some, some fictionalized version of dissociative identity disorder in which his psyche has shattered into seven distinct psyches. Uh, he has been cycling through those psyches to fight Yusuke now, so Yusuke is kind of getting beaten up by people who have different personalities and goals in this fight, and he's having to adjust to that, whereas since we sort of gets to start over from zero each time he switches to a new personality, and so that's been a bit of a struggle for Yusuke. Koenma tried to use his uh, big pacifier 
nullification bomb to take Sensui out, but Yusuke stopped him because Yusuke wants to finish this fight properly by actually fighting it. Uh, meanwhile, Kurama, Kuwabara, and Hiei have been trapped in an alternate dimension by one of Sensui's allies, a guy named Itsuki, who has a deep, deep crush on Sensui and is uh, using that to motivate him to support Sensui's goals and in this moment to trap Yusuke's friends away so that Yusuke and Sensui are fighting each other one-on-one -on -one, or at least one-on-two because Koenma is there now. Um, in this alternate dimension, they are kind of floating in a void, but they are able to see what's going on in the fight and watch through the eyes of a sort of shadowed humanoid figure that appears on the wall as a representation of the dimension they are trapped in. <sighs> I think that's everything. There's other stuff going on, but I think that's it. It's, well, it's tough. It's tough when you get to the middle to to the end of an arc, a few arcs deep in a long running show like this, to be like, "Here's all you need to know." But I think that's it, and that will pick us up in episode eighty-eight. Yeah, episode eighty-eight. Uh, just be prepared. This is called the true face of Sensui, um, and the true face of Sensui, if you didn't know, um, is named Goku. Um, and, uh, <laughs> what he is going to do in this episode is he is going to power up and, uh, his opponent is going to try to use his, uh, let's call it a special beam cannon, um, and mm -hmm. fire it at, uh, said Goku, um, who has now wrapped himself in golden energy that they call sacred energy, but we know, um, Saiyan it's energy. <laughs> super Saiyan energy. Um, and he, he, well, Yusuke was like, don't do it. Kuma's just like, I'm going to fucking do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he blasts it. At well, cause this is when since we breaks Yusuke's arm. Right. And I got to say, Yu Yu Hakusho has a couple of bone breaking moments mm -hmm. and whatever sound effect they use for the, the bones breaking really gets to me. Yeah. And I always enjoy it and also hate it. Oh and man. I liked that, that moment too. And I gasped out loud at this moment, <laughs> by the way, that moment too is insane. So Yusuke is, is like, I, I'm still going to try to push through it. And so he starts swinging at Sensui, um, not knowing that Sensui has gone full super Saiyan. Um, so the problem that you're going to run into there is that you're um, not powered up yet. So you are not going to be able to go to his level, um, land any blows on him that are going to affect him. You might be punching him. It is not hurting him. And at one point when he finally gets to his, like the, I am your opponent now moment, he just uh -huh. grabs Yusuke's hand and he just, effortlessly breaks his arm at the like yeah. the middle of his forearm and it's just brutal and it's it, they also it, i think part of the brutality is the way they animate it yeah because so often a character's bone is broken and you get the sound effect and the screen kind of flashes and you'll get like i don't know like a a sort of lightning-esque kind of like thing that appears on the screen no. for a second to in, show like oh this is a break this is a sharp sudden pain yeah instead they're just kind of clutching but with this you watch it bend yeah and it's also one of those things where it's they take away all of like the sound behind it except for the bone breaking and use going ah! yeah 
Yeah, it's super good. And by super good, I mean real stomach turny in a way that I deeply appreciate yeah. it. So Kuima, um, Kuima is going to use his ability. It shoots a giant bolt of energy at Sensui. Sensui looks like he's going to be yeah. taken down for by it for a moment. Um, and then he just redirects it and shoots it straight up through the top of the cave and out into, I assume, you know, space. Um, yeah, they because Sensui's so you know obviously, obviously Sensui they actually call him a different name. It's an also an S name. I didn't write it down. Uh, it annoys me that he's been Sensui this whole time, and the real true personality isn't named Sensui. And I'm like, so how? Because to me, when you say like the real true personality would be like the original one, I think they're meaning like the dominant one, because if the real one or the original or whatever wasn't Sensui, then why does Koenma know him as Sensui? Uh, that is a uh, point that does not ultimately matter, but did drive me a little nuts during this episode. And then uh, the the golden Saiyan-like energy he's got is called Sacred Energy. Um and oh, you, honestly, are you about to are you about to talk about this fucking crazy ass bull that he explains? A, a little bit, but I'm probably going to need your help. So here, here's my understanding. Up until this point in Yu Yu Hakusho, there have been people that don't have powers, and there have been people that do have powers based off of spirit energy, and that's like Yusuke, uh, whose powers manifest as energy blasts, and. Uh, Kuwabara, whose powers manifest as energy sword, and then the various enemies that they have encountered, uh, and also Hiei and Kurama as allies, have been um, sort of, you know, more specialized powers, but they you can kind of explain them away as a similar spiritual power uh, because they are all spiritual beings. Uh, and then at the beginning of this arc, you found out that some people in the real world started developing psychic powers, and those allowed you to do weirder, trickier things through the, you know, amorphous power of an un- unlocked human mind. They didn't quite work like spiritual power, but that, that was kind of it. In one of these later episodes, uh, and maybe in this one as well, they explained that uh, there's spiritual power and there's demon power. And so I believe I was misunderstanding that many of their foes and also their allies, Kurama and Hiei, were utilizing spiritual power when they were actually using demon power, which is similar but different basically, basically because it's coming from a demonic entity and not a human entity. Uh in this moment, since we is going to reveal that he is using a different thing entirely called sacred energy. And this, I don't feel was explained super well. Okay. Uh, I think it is sitting on the laurels of tropes a lot. And so my understanding was essentially that this is a new type of energy that is maybe just a a new power level of energy that nobody no. really is able to get to, but since we was, so no. please elucidate it's for me. It's <laughs> different uh, in the sense that tell it. Okay, so think about the the magic system inside of you, Hakusho, as a um, you have you have one type of energy is spiritual energy. And the spiritual energy can manifest in one of uh, three different ways, really two, um, but it is a spectrum. Uh, 
um, between the two different energies. You have demonic energy, which is when you move more towards your evil side. And then you have uh, then you have uh, the the energy that he is going to be using, um, which is going to be this like you know kind of blessed energy. It's this um, sacred energy, and what that oh, so, so it's like a holy energy versus an unholy energy. Correct. So what he is okay. what he is he is harnessing is something an energy that is only to be grasped if you are um, in uh, understanding the belief that you are saving, you're saving people. And that is what he believes he is doing. He believes in his heart that he is removing the evil from the world. And the evil is not only humans, but it is also demons. It is, it is all evil inside of the world. He has been exposed to all evil and it, shattered him into a way where he needed to find a way to stop it. And the way that he, but he, he does, he almost talks about demons. Like you might talk about a predator on a nature documentary. Yeah. Like when the mountain lion takes down the goat, the mountain lion's not evil. It's just an animal. Mm. And like, that's kind of been my impression of him ever since he saw the humans doing the bad things to the demons was that he was kind of like, demons do bad shit because they're demons. Humans do bad shit because they're bad. Yeah. And, and that's, so he's... He, he's I, a, I don't think his plan is intended to or expected to, like, wipe out demons. Um, it's kind of but both. he's just like... <laughs> it's almost like a metaphor for, like, allowing nature to overwhelm humanity because nature is just a sort of force instead of, like, a moral. Yeah, it's like... It's like creating an equilibrium of of the natural order sort of thing. Um, yeah, and all that, things balanced as they should be. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's give somebody a knife and see if we can get it to balance on their finger. Anyways, uh, yeah. so he it's it's a really interesting way that he gets to this, um, and because of his shattered personality, which is multiples, um, it usually takes somebody 40 years to master sacred energy and get to a point where they can do this. Um, Because he has this shattered brain instead, it took him six years, he says. Um, And so. Cause that's the power of teamwork. Yes. Specifically when you're working with the team inside of you. Yeah. um, uh, What, what we also didn't show was that there was a, there was a moment where he was training in front of a waterfall and making a whole bunch of himself. Um, and they were all trying to get the waterfall to open up, uh, for many, 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 many different episodes. Um, so many episodes. And then there's a filler arc in the middle of it. And they come back from the filler arc and they're still at the fucking waterfall. (laughs) (laughs) More, more, uh, more shots at Naruto. I called it it Naruto. Sometimes, sometimes when I think of Naruto, I call it Nardo, and I think I developed that because of the way that you sometimes say it, and I just like corrupted it further. And Naruto, I call him Nardo sometimes. Sometimes I yeah, N A R D O Nardo. Sometimes, sometimes I think about it as uh, Naruto or Norwaltos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume uh, that those are just we're the people. I, 
those are they're listening to the, those are toes that have one big horn in the center of them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's oh go into episode God. 89, uh, Death of a God Spirit Detective. <laughs> okay, so this episode really, it just, okay, here, here's the thing. This episode has one thing that happens inside of it, which is that flashbacks. What do you mean? I have four bullet points. <laughs> flashbacks, like it's going to be flashback city. Um, so, uh. so here's the thing: at one point in the past, Kuobara was like, "I'm going to sacrifice myself so I can get Yusuke to fight better," and everybody's just like, yeah. "Yusuke's going to sacrifice himself so that we can fight better." And they're like, okay, yeah. so we need to figure out how to do it. He's probably going to sacrifice himself, but we need to get out there before he can do it. And Kuobara is just like, he can't. Kuobara is trying so hard to get it up, and he just can't. <laughs> Spencer, I'm so proud of you! <laughs> yeah, so... You know, you, so know when you're, you know when you're trying to get it up, and you're you're screaming at it as hard as you can? <laughs> yeah, every fucking day. Um, so can you imagine if that was real? Uh, anyway, uh, so, so, um, yeah, Kubara during the dark tournament, which was the, the arc before this one, um, Kubara pretended to be killed so that Yusuke would get stronger. Their current worry is that Yusuke is going to return the favor by for real being killed so that they can get stronger and they're like the thing about it is we don't think we're going to get stronger enough and so don't kill yourself but they're trapped in an alternate dimension where they can't talk to him and so they have to get out of the face wall dimension in order to tell him not to kill himself for them to get strong enough to win because they can't that's basically what it is. They're, I know how it works. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be able to do anything. <laughs> and here's the thing: they're going to finally escape and get out of this dimension because of Kuobar's dimensional cutting sword. And and it's just in time to watch Yusuke get killed by Sinsway. <laughs> yeah, right. I really liked the visual of this moment. Like, it's not the least expected visualization of this moment, but I still thought it was pretty cool when Kubara finally um, figures out his big man crush on Yusuke and has a whole flashback session to think about how much he loves this boy. And then yeah. uses that to... Kubara's got to think about his entire life before he uses his sword. <laughs> uh-huh. And then he takes his sword and slashes this man's face... And then, you know, comes out of the hole that he made, if you know what I mean. Oh, my God. And anyway, the he, like, cuts in the dimension and then, like, the face on the wall gets, like, a cool cut in it. it I don't know. It, it wasn't it wasn't unexpected, but it was really satisfying. I liked it a lot. Uh, so, yeah, they pop out and they're like, Yusuke, don't do. And then Yusuke dies. <laughs> And then it takes us into episode 90, Attempting Revenge, which is a great name to this episode. Because <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, they're all going to go as powerful as they can and attack Sensui. 
And Sensui is just going to meander backwards through the portal. Uh-huh. And he's just like, na-na-na-boo-boo, you can't get me or hurt me. <laughs> and they're just going to keep on attacking him. And he's just like, it doesn't do anything. And he has them chase him all the way into the demon world. Yeah, Kubar also cuts a barrier that prevents demons from getting through it, and I'm pretty sure he was duped into that. Yeah. Okay, so then they are going to fight against Sensui, and Sensui is going to put on the dumbest armor. I hate it. And it also has a hilarious moment that I am sure isn't in the Japanese original, but oh. is in the American dub where Kuobara is just like, is everybody going to do a costume change? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does say that. I, I will say though, we have periodically pointed out how silly Kuobara sounds, which is not intended to be shade at the voice actor. He's just doing a goofy voice for this character. But when he gets really weepy about Yusuke, it was good. It was strong work from this voice actor. Uh, yeah. yeah. Then he makes the costume change joke and we're like, all right, well, we're back at it. So yeah, they okay. get into the demon world. Since we, there's also this cool moment where um, uh, Kurama turns himself into a butterfly a little bit. And I liked that. Uh there's just a weird vibe about these episodes and it's not a bad vibe, but what I mean is that like you as the viewer know that this isn't it. This does not feel like the final fight. It feels like we're near the end of the arc and nearing the final fight, but it it just doesn't. The storytelling feels relatively clear that like these three are not going to win. Like this is not the turning point that the heroes are aware that they need and that we as the audience are aware that they need. It is and, very much a Vegeta moment where Vegeta just keeps on shooting balls of energy at the opponent. Yeah. You know that thing he always does. Yeah. Well and he, and it's just like it almost shouldn't work because it's so it's so tropey and transparently so that it should almost like the tension of the scene should basically not be there because you can just kind of tell what's going to happen, but it kind of works. And it's a whole episode of, of it really not having any right to work and just work it. And I think that that really is chalked up to the, the strength of the storytelling of this anime where they just don't really waste a lot of time and they really keep things moving. And so even though you're kind of like, I feel like we are in a tropey anime thing where we are more or less going through the motions. It still feels engaging. Yeah. Um, and that takes us into episode 91 waking the lost. Um, everybody get out your motorcycle, um, and then get a ramp, um, and take it to, uh, the nearest water park, um, and put a shark into the water and then you need to drive your motorcycle <laughs> over the ramp to jump over the shark. Because <laughs> here we fucking go. So, every single one of these animes that's created by this creator, I assume has to have a chimera ant arc. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, here's going to be the asspool of asspools from this fucking show. I am positive that he did not 
know that he was going to go in this direction Uh until he did, which is King Enma is going to send his Ginyu force as it were. They um, remind me of, so much of the Ginyu Force. Like, yeah, way they, less funny. But, yes, so much. They're, they're going to fly in to uh, deal with the fallout of this. Um, why he didn't send them originally to deal with something as, that is a massive Earth-ending fucking apocalypse thing uh, is beyond me. But no, whatever. I know the reason. It's because they work for King, King Enma... Koenma exhibits very clearly that he does not particularly care for them. Not that he doesn't like them, but just that, like, he... There's a sort of professional rivalry between, I think, Koenma and this this crew. And Koenma was the one in charge of Earth, and therefore the one in charge of the problems on Earth. And he... These problems got so bad that he showed up himself... And so their appearance is a mark of failure on his part that he did not expect because he brought a secret weapon with him that he did not think that since we could repel and since we did. And so mm. like, I, I think they didn't show up because he was deeply, deeply confident that they would not be necessary and them showing up now in the wake of Yusuke having been killed, which was like his best or second best hope of winning and then whichever one Yusuke is, the other one is his pacifier bomb that also failed. And he's sitting there like, I had two surefire victories and both of them were not victories. And this is bad, 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 bad. And them showing up is just a reflection of that. Yeah. So a couple of things are going to happen after this. Um, first, we are going to see... Uh, all of your, all of our spirit friends that are trying to deal with Sensei, just getting completely taken advantage of by him. Yeah, but it's not then, quite a curb stomp battle. In that, maybe it is. It depends on how we're classifying it. I guess I'm thinking of a curb stomp battle. It's mostly like battle. a slap away battle where he's just like, stop yeah, it, stop. Yes, it. that is exactly the distinction I'm trying to make. They are not making any any headways against him, but they are being allowed to do the cool thing. And so you kind of enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Then we are going to see our, uh, I don't know if I call them friends, uh, but let's call them the girl squad. Oh, uh, yeah. th- there's going to, they're going to be running around with Pooh, and then Pooh is just like not responding anymore. Yeah. And uh, Keiko is going to be like, are you Okay. Are you okay, Pooh? Pooh. And we're just like, no, because Pooh is attached to Yusuke, and Yusuke has clearly just been shot to death. Um, and then we have the ass pull of ass pulls, which is that we're going to find out that in the past of Yusuke's past, there was a demon, and that demon has passed down latent demon genes uh-huh. in Yusuke's body. Yusuke is and the maturing candidate. And when he dies, he will awaken as his demon self if his spirit energy is high enough, which it turns out to be now. And they're going to dispose of his body by blowing it up. 
But yeah, before they were is, able to do that, this is a big bad demon, and they're like, we have to stop him. At one point, they're like, the fact that he is this like demon descendant would means that if this happens, he will essentially be the return of this demon. And that would be such bad news that essentially like we would get rid of, we would use our spirit detective to get rid of the evil spirit detective only to replace him with an even worse, even more powerful problem from that spirit detective. And so like yeah. as, as powerful as Sensui has been shown to be, they are indicating that like Yusuke will be a bigger problem if this is allowed to happen. Yeah, but right before they are able to blow up the body of Yusuke before it returns to life, um, a giant phoenix is going to jump in the way of the blast that is coming at Yusuke's body, and that turns out to be the reincarnated version of Pooh, which is going to also cue the reincarnation of Yusuke as what seems to be slightly more messed up hair Yusuke, um, um, and also I'm going to make jokes about being evil Yusuke. Yeah. Um, which is completely on brand. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's super on brand. Yeah. I have really mixed feelings about this because you, you Hakusho is a little bit older than a lot of the anime that I am most familiar with. And there is one anime in particular that I'm thinking of in which the protagonist is revealed kind of a long ways into the story to have a split heritage that we previously believed was a presumably normal heritage and actually turns out to be a double special heritage that makes him a double special. Um, and uh, that serves as an explanation for why he is so absurdly powerful. Um, I think it makes a little bit more sense in that instance. I'm sure you know what anime I'm talking about, Spencer. <laughs> no, I'm not following. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> Big swords. Um, and in this Oh, one, <laughs> I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, in this one, I don't like it as much because I feel like Yusuke's power progression has made more it's fairy tale you guys it's fairy tale (laughs) yeah good job i think that yusuke's power progression has been pretty clear he has had a couple of leaps those leaps have always felt pretty well explained he's a strong guy but that strength generally comes from a certain natural ability and his own personal stubbornness Uh, basically all of all of his power in the story has been relatively explainable with a combination of the actions that he takes and the character that he is. Um, and of course those actions are, 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 you know, derived from the character, but you know, we've seen him train. We've seen him take risks to attain new power. We have seen him be obstinate and just not willing to give up and al- allow himself to push through to greater heights in ways that have felt really satisfying. This feels like something completely detached from who he is as a way to give him a quick power up. And in that angle, I don't like it. Um, I also feel like I've seen it happen before. uh, um, Although uh, somewhat unfairly in properties that were created after this one. And so probably were, if anything, referencing this intentionally or not. Uh, But I just came upon this plot point after I already came upon those plot points. And so to me, it feels derivative in a way that it, is probably not, but uh, I don't know. 
On the other hand, it is a relatively elegant solution to a problem that I knew was going to be resolved one way or the other anyway. Like you, you just kind of could tell that Yusuke was not done with, even if you didn't know that we have quite a few more episodes left in this series and that it is extremely unlikely that they're going to switch protagonists at this point. Uh, it just didn't feel like that death was permanent. <laughs> and from that perspective, I'm like, we could have left him dead a little bit longer to really let that let us have to sit with that. But I kind of see what we're doing, and I'm more or less okay with it. Also, Pooh's transformation was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and that's about it. Uh, Yusuke's going to run into the portal and go into Demon World uh, just to be faced up against Sensui. Um, but we're not going to be able to see those in this episode. So no. stick with us after these credits, and we'll talk about what's coming on next week. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood episodes 43 through 45. Man, Yoki does not like children. Um, and also, people in general don't like Yoki. Mm. Well, that's just That's just a universal truth about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. <laughs> Yoki, the man who has the most tragic past, according to him, <laughs> is not well-liked. Um, he's the Michael Scott of this universe. Oh my god. <laughs>